Garçon, coffee. Welcome to the Coffee and Death Sticks podcast. My name is Kevin Romani. I am Danny Marchant. And we are, of course, here reviewing the Batman. I'm showing Danny right now. No one else can see this, but I forgot to tell you that I got these pins because I got to see the film in its special preview night, which was a Wednesday night, not even Thursday. So we got to see it extra early and there were no trailers. The movie just fucking started. It was pretty awesome. So nice. it was a wonderful little viewing experience. Just keep crinkling. So get some ASMR hits. <laughs> yeah, I know. As, as I'm grabbing that, I'm going, why am I holding this for an audio podcast? <laughs> this is not doing anyone any good except for David. No, they're really but... cool looking pins. I can confirm. <laughs> <laughs> not as cool as our Dark Phoenix special event keychains. But still, oh my God. But still pretty cool. That's still pretty cool. Danny, that holds a special place in my heart. That's still on my keychain, oh, yeah. and I'm probably the only person, or we are probably the only people in America who have a X Men Dark Phoenix keychain. Um, but anyway, the Batman, mm. Danny, there, there can't be another great iteration of the Batman, can there be? What, what did you think of this film? To backtrack, when this was announced, when they released some sneak peeks when they released images i thought exactly what you just said sarcastically which is you can't do this again like we we've stop it (laughs) do do, you can't keep doing gritty serious batman movies every four years um it's going to get old and that was my attitude up until really i mean I, i enjoyed one of the trailers for this film but Within the first 10 minutes of this movie, I remembered, oh, yes, you can do this again because because he's Batman and he is one of the most durable characters that as long Mm -hmm. as you have a good, intelligent filmmaker who understands the character and understands that there has to be something beyond just oh, aesthetically, it's really dark or it's really gritty. Like, this is an Adam West. Like, eventually you have to have something more than just the initial, this will be darker. And then I found myself sitting there in the first 10 minutes of this movie with a huge smile on my face because, God damn it, this is a great movie. And this was a really, really, really good Batman movie. Um, mm-hmm. the, my favorite, uh, probably the best uh, Batman movies since the Dark Knight in terms of in the theater experience. The Dark Knight, of course, was with a huge audience. This was by myself in a theater in the middle of a pandemic. But probably one of my favorites after Batman Begins, which is my favorite Batman movie. And I really was just pleasantly surprised. It was it was really good. This movie was really good. <laughs> Yes, it, it's almost not fair how good this character is in the, you know, well, we don't want to have the super, a superhero because he doesn't have superpower, you know, it, it, it's the superhero comic book genre, regardless of his powers or whatever you want to say, but it's, it's really not fair how great of a character he is and how applicable he is to film, right? And I think that's a big issue with you know, if we're just staying in the DC universe, we have Superman who's just like too powerful and has a wonderful origin story. But after that can get difficult story wise. And same with a lot of the Marvel characters, they're too powerful or they're, um, you know, they're not as vulnerable. Right. And that's, what's so great about Batman is he's not only a great character as it is. And we're going to talk about all the, all the things that make him great and how they were used particularly well in this movie. But there are so many different angles to tackle this character, even though yes, they are surface level. It's dark brooding, all of that. Uh, But there are different themes and angles you can still take with this character. And he's visually interesting. Like I said, he's both emotionally and physically vulnerable. He's not invincible. He's just a guy in a suit. And that movie did this particularly well also. Mm -hmm. Uh, so yeah, this is a great film. I 
we're going to sound a little boring. I similarly, I think I still prefer Batman Begins and the Dark Knight. Um, this might be the best depiction of Batman in a, in a live action movie. I think in terms of how he's shot and how it's explored what it's like to be Batman seemed like the best depiction. This also seemed like the closest thing to reading a Batman comic book for a live action movie, especially with the use of, they didn't use it very often, but the use of voiceover narration, particularly in the beginning of the movie was used extremely effectively. It was like reading a Batman comic or like I was thinking a lot about Rorschach and Watchmen and just hearing the inner monologue of this fucking weirdo (laughs) and (laughs) what he's thinking as he, puts on a suit to fight crime and it just read like Batman. It's like this dialogue is so good. This, this narration is exactly Batman. And, you know, typically I remember back in my screenwriting classes and I feel this way a lot with film voiceover narration is almost a cop out. It's a way sometimes of explaining what characters are thinking and feeling that, you know, it's taking away from the film medium when you should be visually seeing things. But In this instance, it worked very well. Like I said, they used it fleetingly, almost not often enough, I felt, because it was used so effectively. But yeah, so, you know, I I don't want to, we will invariably, inevitably, excuse me, one more time, we will inevitably be comparing this to all other Batman movies and superhero movies. But just to focus on this movie itself, I think it is the best live action depiction of the character. And it's a very good noir superhero genre movie that middles with a lot of other different genres, a lot like seven and Zodiac, a lot of Fincher movies, but really well done. Like you said, great character, excellent filmmaker. It's no surprise that a great movie came out of it. Yeah, exactly. It's, it is no surprise and I shouldn't have been surprised, but, but I was, and it's a nice, it is still a nice feeling to get surprised in the, in the theater. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, if, if uh, before we launch into spoilers, because to really talk about the movie, we would have to like talk about the movie. So um, yeah, it, if you, if you enjoy Batman comics, if you enjoy Batman films, which is a lot of people, <laughs> uh, you yes. will enjoy this. It is three hours long, which I know is very daunting for some people. I personally felt like it was, it only felt like two and a half hours. So, I mean, <laughs> so I'll say that for it. Um, I do think this is filled with three hours worth of story though, which is something I'm yes. sure we'll discuss um, again on this very podcast. We, we have mocked a certain filmmaker named Zack Snyder for his overlong, incredibly uh, self-consciously dark and serious pretentious films about superheroes and his attempts at imagery, which basically always boils down to turning superheroes into gods or Jesus and which is really obnoxious Um uh, capitalizing or 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 I don't or exploiting imagery of like 9/11 and like collective trauma of cities being all all that rubbish that we've talked about on the podcast and and rightfully mocked I think this movie gets so close to that but doesn't but does not cross that line into self-serious pretentious unbearable like oh Jesus Christ it's a Batman movie like calm down this is uh, this is this is an intelligent movie. This is a more, definitely a more mature Batman movie. Like I would not take I would not take a child to see this. Like this, it's too oh, way, no. way too heavy for anyone for anyone under thirteen. Like a very correct rating. I felt um, little kids would not enjoy this as little kids. It would be way too much for them. However, it is still fun, and it is still a Batman movie, and it is still a comic book movie. It's still. It's not, um, it's still enjoyable on that level. And like you said, the Batman is such a cinematically interesting hero, but that's because you can, there's so many influences from actual film, German expressionism, film noir. So yes, it's striking imagery, but it isn't just constantly hammering home some hack filmmakers idea of like, well, in this Batman is Jesus. It's like not, not none of that. It's, <laughs> it's more sophisticated than that. Uh, this is definitely 
uh, takes place in a very sort of gritty, serious world, but it's heightened to a, um, Mm. it's heightened like a, like a, like a Batman comic, which is, which I think is one of its biggest strengths. is it's just perfectly pitched above reality um, in a way that I think a lot of people will really respond to and, and appreciate. Absolutely. Thinking about the runtime that you just mentioned uh, to briefly compare it to the dark Knight rises Mm -hmm. was what I was thinking just because they're both, you know, longer, closer to three hours long. That one did have a second act that felt a little muddled and it didn't flow quite as well. This one did not feel like it was three hours. It flowed smoothly. And like you said, one of the fears I had going into this was, boy, there are a lot of characters, Mm -hmm. especially if it's the first time in this universe. But that was shockingly not an issue at all. I don't think I would remove any of the quote unquote major characters, Mm -hmm. whether it's some of the villains or Catwoman or anything like that. They all were expertly woven into this plot that did not feel ham fisted. Like let's just, you know, throw in something. The Schumacher movies were very guilty of, and even Batman returns of like, you know, let's add another villain to sell another toy. It did not feel that way, especially when the use of penguin in this movie, for instance, is like, that's not an action figure. He's just a mobster, which is much closer to how he is. And at least more the recent comics. And even the video games like that much closer to that version of the character. Yeah. I mean, he's only <laughs> the Batman returns depiction of the penguin is. Oh my is God. Unique. Um, <laughs> Not a lot of reflective surfaces down on the sea. Huh? <laughs> Still. Could be worse. My nose could be gushing blood. (laughs) (laughs) Your nose could be. Danny, I watched Batman Returns last night. Really? Shout out to Mary for watching. She watched Batman and Batman Returns with me. Wow. And so those are very fresh right now. And I was going to talk about those too. Uh, I guess we are going to get in a comparison zone. It's inevitable. There are so many different well, takes on Batman. Well, it's, ju- it's just that like there's the Tim Burton approach of clearly not reality at all. Like yeah. the things just yeah. happen because just because uh, the penguin, what's the penguin? Oh, he's just a hideous penguin, man. Like it's very, it's ridiculous. It's absurd. And then you think, well, we're going to make sort of a gritty version of Batman, but we're going to include the penguin. And you sort of wonder, well, how how are you going to do that? Like he's the penguin. Like he's, he's a silly character. You make him a mobster with a kind of fucked up face and he likes tuxedos and he runs the iceberg lounge. Like, okay, cute. Like that's his street nickname. Um, and I, they never say his full name, but I think canonically in this universe, his name is still Oswald Cobblepot, which is yeah. which is a ridiculous name. Um, or you take someone like the Riddler, and I have always thought the Riddler will never work as a villain. The Riddler is not yeah. it's such a good idea for a bad guy, but he's so that no one ever uses him because it doesn't work. And the one time they did mm-hmm. use him, he's just the Joker but kind of different. And this movie did a pretty good job of, of making a sort of a believable serial killer named uh, the Riddler. So those two things definitely were, were nice to discover that, Oh, they found a way to make the penguin and the Riddler associated in the, in the public's mind with Jim Carrey in one of the worst performances in motion picture history and Danny DeVito in Batman returns and then to make them very, uh, very believable and menacing in, in this film. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, I think that's, but while still being, while still being, while still being fun, like still not being like, still being enjoyable. This movie, like the Nolan movies, does a very good job of towing the line of becoming too dark and brooding, but also fun. And still funny. Like, there's still a good sense of humor in this movie, too. There aren't many, like, 
I don't know if laugh out loud moments, but the penguin has a lot of comedy relief lines, but Batman himself is very funny. Very dry. Uh, which I love. Yes. Yeah. Very, very, it reminded me of the animated series. Yes. That very sardonic and sort of, it's all, it's yeah. It's like, he's not, nothing amuses him, but he does have a sense of humor. And that's something yeah. that I think, was a little bit lacking in the Nolan movies. He wasn't super, he was most, he was his most fun in Batman Begins. Um, but yeah. by the Dark Knight Rises, he was, it was very, very serious. No, 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 no times, no time for quips. But that's one thing I did. There were no, there were no quips. There's no one liners in this movie. It was appropriate. It's, it's Batman is just kind of, he has, he has a very particular sense of humor. So when, Selena says something like, what's under that mask? A bunch of hideous scars. And he just very dryly says, yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> Holding yeah. up the severed mayor's thumb attached to a flash drive and just kind of saying, the thumb, thumb drive. <laughs> and you get you yeah. get this wonderful, uh, you, you get the sense of, oh, this is why him and Gordon get along so well. They're both kind of, mm they're ready for anything. And uh, Jeffrey Wright as Gordon in this, I, he's my favorite Gordon. Yeah. He, he, it's tough. For, it's yeah. di- it, which is very, he's hard, very good. Which is very hard good. To say because I loved Gary Oldman as, as commissioner Gordon. Um, well, Pat Hingle is of course my favorite commissioner. Gordon. Of course. Of course. <laughs> um, I was very disappointed that the chief in this was not chief O'Hara as a reference. to the- Oh, that would have been great. But, yeah. They, they haven't done many of like the 66 references, which, is, which would have been funny. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, Jeffrey Wright, I mean, he was so close to saying I'm too old for this shit. He was just so close. Mm-hmm. He was very, he was very detective Murtaugh. He's seen it all. I like that the bat signal is his own thing. It's not on the top. It's not an unsanctioned off the books piece of equipment on top of major crimes. Like it is in the Nolan trilogy. Like Gordon kind of is doing this off the books. This is just the, the entire police force does not know why this Lieutenant is friends with this, with this psychopath (laughs) as far as they're (laughs) concerned. So, this might be a good time. I do want to come back to the Riddler. I think that will inevitably come back up. But the I overall very much like the take of when they set this movie yes. in terms of like greater Batman history. So this is a this is a reboot essentially. This is a new start to a new take on the Batman. Uh, hence the Batman title, which I love. And they, I think they picked the perfect time to do it. I don't know if I loved how they handled all the relationships, but they decided to go into this is his second year, which I thought was funny because they avoided any year one comparisons because one of the most famous Batman comic books is Batman year one, which is just as it suggests his first year on the job. It's a lot like Batman begins tonally and even has some similar cut scenes to his training and all of that. So this one says, you know, Everyone is very familiar with the Batman origin story. Batman Begins did it so well. We're going to skip that. So I love that. But not only that, we're going to kind of go to year two, which I much prefer to the Ben Affleck version of he's been on the job for 20 years. And you get all of these interesting little nuggets of like, did did Joker kill one of the Robins and all of these other things that you just we never got to explore because they took it a bit too much for granted as to the Batman lore. So this one, I think made a compromise of he's, he's two years in and exactly like you said, everyone, everyone in the city is still kind of figuring out like, what is the deal with this guy? The police don't know what to make of him. I wish I knew how he and Gordon got together. Maybe that'll be kind of, you know, so it's like same with Alfred. I think the other thing is he and his, Bruce Wayne's relationship with Alfred is kind of just like, it's just there, which again, we all know basically what happened. So I I get that, but I I wish maybe if, if I have any criticism of this movie, it's those two dynamics. I wish were a bit more established or a little bit of backstory, but you immediately buy what it is, what their relationship is of like, they like working with each other. Gordon sees something in Batman. Batman obviously knows that Gordon's a good cop 
And those two have remarkable chemistry together. So I did love so many little, they had a lot of fun. You could tell they, they were in on some jokes with each other and, and did really, really well. But um, I also love the overall, just like how Gotham city was responding to Batman of uh, potentially the best Batman theme of of any well oh sorry not the oh i'm not even there yet not the not uh, musical theme. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> one of the best i should let me rephrase one of the best uh like thematic things about batman is this notion of when he enters the scene and starts fighting crime does he end up causing more harm than good and mm-hmm. uh, the dark knight did that really well a lot of the comics like the long halloween did that really well this movie did that very well, where even in the opening scene where you're starting to get the mood of the movie and he's explaining in his narration, crime has gone up since I've been here. I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm not sure if I'm helping. And that's sort of the driving inner storyline within Bruce Wayne and Batman throughout the movie that has a an excellent resolution by the end. Um, but as that's happening, I, I just thought this is a perfect choice of like, He's expl- like criminals don't know what to make of him. The police, common citizens, law enforcement, or uh, uh, excuse me, politicians. He's just this enigma who's been around for a couple of years as opposed to Batman Begins where they pretty quickly adjusted to having him around. So that was a really good decision, I felt. And I, I loved how everything like that was established in this new movie. Yes, you get the sense that people aren't quite sure that he's real yet until they until they see him. The the yeah. The... I don't the juggalos that he beats up in the subway at first. They think he's just an idiot in a Halloween costume. And then he, he, he beats that guy. (laughs) He beats that guy up. And one of them says like, Oh oh, shit. No, that's him. That's, that's, that's the guy. That's the Batman. And that's something I loved about this movie is you just feel, which is something Batman begins was kind of the first movie to finally really get that right. Which is criminals are afraid of him, like genuinely afraid of him. Um, there's that again, first 10 minutes, the, all these petty crimes are taking place across the city and his voiceover narration. He's talking about how I can't be everywhere at once. So it's obviously like, what, what is this? What is this undertaking that like, what is the point of, of what I'm doing? But the idea being that he does this long enough and people are too scared to commit crimes. Like why hold up the liquor store? The bat signals out, which means he's out. Um, Mm -hmm. and that's kind of, I I like that, that the idea is that just the idea of him alone, he hopes is enough to prevent liquor stores from being held up, um, or graffiti, which a a much lesser crime. I don't know why that was included necessarily on the same level, but the idea being like the bat signal is out, which yes, Gordon needs to talk to me, but also hopefully it's scaring the shit out of every criminal in the city right now, because I might be in the shadows. I might be behind that door. And that, that that opening sequence, I was like, I'm, I'm in, I know there's, there's two hours and 50 minutes left of this, but I'm already in. If that is the take, that is the correct take. And it ends. He beats up the juggalos and he has a nice moment with the one who seems sort of, less and less invested in, in uh, a life of crime, but still, you know, scares him off. And the man he saves is also terrified of him. Like he, he he doesn't feel relieved. He's like, please, his first words are, please don't hurt me. He's not relieved Mm -hmm. that this, this, this six foot tall man in a bat suit has just like mercilessly pummeled these guys contrasted with to jump all the way to the end of the film he, he begins the movie as his whole thing is vengeance. Every night I'm going to go out and I'm going to beat the shit out of criminals. And maybe I'll stop having nightmares about the time my parents got shot in front of me. And by the end, there's the woman he's helping out of the rubble of Gotham square garden. Doesn't want him to leave. Thank you. For, thank you for saying the full title <laughs> Gotham square. Right? Garden. Is that what it's called? Uh, it is, it is, yeah. It is literally which was like, garden. yeah, okay, yeah. Which I laugh. I that was a rule. Oh, it was like that, they could have come oh, up with okay. a better name. It's literally called Gotham Square That's, Garden. I believe it says. Yeah. Okay, well, all right. So that woman doesn't want him to leave. He is now a comforting presence. He he leads in one of the best shots in the film. He leads all the huddled uh, survivors in this under the under the dome 
uh, through the waters, through the rubble, and he now he needs to kind of refocus and his career as Batman needs to be more about justice than it is about vengeance, and which is something that, that I think is really important if you're going to do a Batman movie because it can't just be about him going out at night and beating up every single criminal he gets his hand on because that is a complete waste of time. And this movie does a great job of showing why that's a waste of time because this movie has the most depressing depiction of Gotham in any yeah. any Batman medium outside of if, uh, film or television. This city is terrible. <laughs> it's, it's always raining. It's always dark. Everyone is corrupt. Like he really, tr- Gordon truly feels like the only good cop in an entire force of of people that are just kind of going along to get along or just completely corrupt and connected with the mob. Like this feels like a city that's like, Oh man, it doesn't matter who's in charge. Like it is so rotten to the core. And that I think is what's going to be sort of the driving force of these next two films that are in this planned franchise, which is how can I fix this city? Like from the bottom up instead of just responding to the symptoms of the city's disease, which I really liked. I really liked the cop who said they use their fuck in this movie, which I don't think another Batman movie has said fuck, but I I liked when the cop said the movie starts on Halloween, which is also a great, great decision. And it's kind of just like a week in November after that. And the cop sees him on Halloween and says, must be his favorite fucking night of the year. (laughs) So I'm like, I I like that guy. I like that cop. He's cool. Yeah. (laughs) But yes, I agree. This is also potentially the best cinematic Gotham city. I, I, I actually, I will. It is the best cinematic Gotham city because the Nolan movies were so revolutionary in that it's like, Oh my God, they're not just sets. Like, I didn't really pick up on that so much as a kid, but now, especially after just watching Batman and Batman returns, I, it is, I, I'm like every single scene is on a set. Yes. Like, Oh my God. I, I, I didn't re- when you're a kid, you don't think about things no. like that. You just, it's, it's like, Oh, it's Gotham city. And they are sets with four people, the same four people. And it's the same set that they keep driving around. Everything in Batman 89 takes place outside the Monarch theater and everything in Batman yep. returns takes place between Shrek's department store and the Christmas tree. When you're a kid, yes. it feels so expansive. And yeah, because those establishing shots, you're like, wow, look at that big city. And then you watch it as an adult, <laughs> which are just mad. paintings are great. Which are awesome. And then you watch the film and it's like, what, this is this is it feels so small it feels so tiny yeah Batman begins yeah. was my favorite depiction of gotham and that's one of the one of the the nitpicks i had with the dark knight and the dark knight rises was in both cases it was just chicago pittsburgh Film, filmed yeah, gorgeous. and too much light yeah, fil- yeah. Filmed gorgeously like, like filmed beautifully mm-hmm. basically michael mann films but with batman like terrific looking yeah. films but i loved how uh, depressing and gross Gotham looked in Batman Begins. I yes. wish like the Narrows had remained a setting in those. The films. Narrows is great. So yeah. I like that this Gotham was. It's always raining. It's it's very grimy. You don't get a sense that there's really any place that's pleasant to live. Um, when you know when the floodwaters come in, there's really nowhere to go. So I like that. I yeah. did. I did really like that. Right. Yeah, and like, you know, it's just so refreshing to watch a movie with so many things that were set up and paid off very well. Like you said, right in the opening scene, you see the citizen afraid of him, and that comes full circle at the end. And then the other big theme of vengeance versus justice that I loved, where he, they don't really come right out and say it. And again, we are in full spoiler world, but as you mentioned, the Riddler is this psychotic serial killer who very much was like ripped out of the headlines type character. He and his legion of followers very present to what has been going on the last few years. He's, uh, he's the Zodiac something... in charge of QAnon. <laughs> like that's he's, it's yes. the Zodiac at the head of QAnon is his vibe. I, I shout out to, I saw this with, 
previous guest host, Nick Fauché, and my brother David, and I looked at them and said, I never thought I would see a Batman film where Batman would fight incels. Yeah. And he, like, he's literally fighting incels in Madison Square, well, Gotham Square Garden in the third act. It's like, oh my God, this is, but that's something that if you're going to justify continuing to make these types of movies, then, you know, I I typically get a little wary. I was going to bring this up in our Peacemaker episode. Sometimes I get a little wary when, especially these comic book type movies are bringing in like real world issues. Uh, But on the other hand, if they are heroes, then it's like, yeah, maybe they should be tackling things that we are facing. And Batman is a perfect vessel for that because he is such a practical, realistic character. Well, for a superhero character uh, that, you know, the, the Nolan movies really started doing this, especially with dark Knight, where dark Knight had some kind of themes about the Patriot, uh, Patriot act and surveillance and dark Knight rises occupy wall street and, you know, rich versus poor that, that sort of thing. And this kind of continued with that, with like online, uh, uh, you know, incorrectly, leaping at something based on what someone else is doing Mm -hmm. and running with it online and creating a cult following. So it's sort of like Batman and what he is doing inspires the Riddler to do what he's doing. Like, I love that when you learn who the Riddler is, he's a forensic accountant. I love that. Yep. That, that sounds about right. I can't remember what, he does for Wayne enterprises in Batman forever. What is Edward Nigma's? He's an, in- he's some, I don't know. He's like a scientist or something, isn't he's he? He's an inventor who's obsessed with Bruce Wayne and he made a, he made a brain thing. Um, <laughs> whatever. That, that movie's, that movie's so fucking bad. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. yeah so is. he's an inventor who, who hero worships Bruce Wayne. He says, I have a device that can read everyone's minds. And Bruce Wayne says, nah, that doesn't sound good. And, he snaps and decides I'm going to kill Ed Begley Jr. and become the Riddler. Like that's, that's the whole, that is it. Yes. But I mean, again, that's a, that's a silly comic book film. There is a, you know, Frank Gorshin. That's a great performance on the sixties TV show. Um, So, but if you're going to do the Riddler serious, making him the Zodiac, that first shot of him, when the mayor steps away and he's just in the shadows and his, you can see his eyes, like buggy, like our giant. It's like, Oh yeah. So creepy. He, when, when he, they show him, unlike, you know, like a lot of comparisons to Kevin Spacey and seven, mm. it, th- those are, those kills are pretty much exclusively off screen. Yes. Yeah. They're all off screen. Um, but in this movie, you see the Riddler kill at least two people. Yes. And when he does, he is like a maniac. Yes. Like he is absolutely losing his mind. So it's like all of, this planning and what he is just coming unleashed. Like he's not polished. Yeah. He he's clearly very intelligent and the, the riddles and the whole plan that he has is very smart. Um, but when he actually acts on his violence, it's just, a, he's just a maniac. It's very sexual. So, he's lots of grunting and heavy yeah, breathing. Yes. It's, it's yes. genuinely, it's, it's, that's what serial killers are like. And he is very smart, but he also, he he's not the thing that the thing that hurts him most is that when he realizes that Batman doesn't get, you know, from his perspective, doesn't get it, um, which was great. And I like, I also like that the Riddler, the Riddler wasn't trying to get arrested. No, he, the end of his plan. Yes. The yes, end of the Riddler's right. plan is yes. I will spend the rest of my life in Arkham. However, I now have a loyal following of other Riddlers. They know where to get mm-hmm. my coat. They know where to get a mask, which was when they start showing up in the rafters above uh, the mayor elect speech, very unsettling. Like, Oh, that like all, all these anonymous, uh, anonymous uh, uh, Riddlers are coming together. Each one thinking, maybe I'll be the only one. Hey, it turns out we all came here to shoot the mayor and help bring about this, yeah. uh, this this new Gotham. So I like that the Riddler, his plan made sense. I like that him and Batman don't punch each other. Like they don't, it doesn't have to be a fist fight. No. Uh, he nope. you he is using Batman, or he thinks he's using Batman. Well, he does use Batman. He uses Batman to get to Carmine Falcone. Immediately, sort of turns himself in, just so he can meet Batman, and he wants to watch the city blow up 
with Batman from his cell and then finds out that his version of Batman that he's invented from seeing clips of him on the internet is not the, who Batman actually is. I like the twist reverse twist. If you think the Riddler knows yes. that Bruce Wayne is Batman, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. I think that's, I always think it's interesting when the villain knows who Batman is, but I like that. No, he just hates Bruce Wayne because for the fairly understandable reason of like, why is everyone talking about this kid? Like an orphan. Yes. Was, he lost his yeah. parents, but an orphan. And then he gives this very genuinely upsetting depiction of here's what it was like being an orphan in Gotham. A baby died every winter. There was 12 of us in a room. We were already addicted to drugs. Why are they talking about this poor little rich kid and his, and his dad who, who said he'd changed the world and then, and then did nothing, got shot and nothing happened. And he's a forensic accountant. So he is, he has discovered the connections between, uh, Thomas Wayne's renewal project and how it kind of got turned into the engine that makes Gotham's corruption run. And he sees Batman as the hero he's always wanted, uh, a masked person who, who uses it to fully express themselves and get vengeance on the corrupt. And I like Batman comes face to face with a villain and realizes, Ooh, this is not the road I want to go down. This is not the, I, I need to rebrand. Yeah. <laughs> I need to change my image. <laughs> this is not the example I want to be setting. And he, I like mm-hmm. that he sort of sees that is what I'm doing. I am just, I hate being Bruce Wayne. Um, I want yeah. to be Batman. I mean, he spends most of this movie as Batman. He doesn't want to be Bruce Wayne. So yeah, there's that scene where the, the mayor elect Bella Real says you could be doing more for the city. Like Bruce Wayne in this movie genuinely seems like a complete, like I liked its depiction. He's not a, he's not a playboy. He, the reason no one would, no one would su- suspect that he is Batman is not because he's a selfish asshole. Like Christian Bale portrays sort of the third version of Bruce Wayne. There's Bruce, there's the public Bruce, and then there's Batman. This is, he has no personality. He's, he's, he, he's like filthy, <laughs> pale with unwashed hair. Like he doesn't look good. He seems like a genuinely strange, off-putting reclusive yeah. uh, billionaire. So of course no one's going to think, yeah, of course he's not going to, he's not going to do shit for Gotham. He doesn't care. He's completely detached yeah. from reality because he he's is very feeble. Yes. Yeah. Like very feeble and very like weak and, and, disinterested in anything that he was not, he's not even like on the forefront of anyone's minds as existing. Whereas the, yeah. in the Nolan movies, it's like, he's like the Prince of God. I do think they call him the Prince of Gotham at one point in this, but I think it's Carmine says it. And it's almost like tongue in cheek. He says it sarcastically. This is the Prince of Gotham. This, this mopey hunched over like pathetic looking skinny guy. I like the idea that it's clearly Wayne Enterprises is like going under in this movie. He has he has neglected the yeah. company up to the point where Alfred's like, you don't understand. We're about to go broke unless you meet with someone. I mean, the scene where he comes upstairs, having finally agreed to shower <laughs> and Alfred offers him berries and he puts on sunglasses indoors in his poorly lit Gothic mansion. I was thinking, yeah, this is a very, this is a Bruce Wayne depiction i can get behind like there is no third persona there's the empty shell that is bruce wayne there's batman and that's it there's no public face of he's just a he's just a shell and batman is the way he he lives that's where he gets his energy from yeah where he gets his kicks yeah a lot of good new things like going back to the batman riddler interrogation scene there were like three surprising developments in that scene where I thought it was going in different directions. I thought they were doing, yes, the infamous, I'm not sure if I've complained (laughs) about this before. We, Danny and I have talked about this quite a bit, but I I don't know if it was by accident or what happened, but in 2000, from 2008 to 2013, like every big tentpole franchise film did the villain intentionally getting captured as part of their plan, starting with the dark Knight 
and uh, Star Trek Into Darkness and Skyfall and The Avengers. And I'm probably missing one or two other ones there. But all of these big movies, like right at the you know two thirds mark or halfway mark, the villain gets caught. It was part of their plan and it was becoming so tired. So I thought they were doing that again and they didn't. He yes, he did intend to be caught, but to remain caught. Yeah. Um, I thought they were doing Riddler was setting Batman up to look like he was a co-conspirator. Yes. Which I was like, oh, is this what's happening? You know, he's like, see this, you know, everything's gone as we've planned. But no, I like the fake out of he's just he is also a fanboy. Mm-hmm. Uh, this Riddler is a fanboy of Batman. Yeah. Like the Edward Nigma was a fanboy of Bruce Wayne. So this one is like, no, we, we've been working together. You've been solving my riddles. But in solving my riddles, you've been helping me perpetuate these crimes. And it's no, yeah. but that's someone who's mentally ill yeah, and who is he needs help. And he's and he's a trap. Like you said, he sees this guy dressing up and punching evil in the face. And he's like, I want a part of that. And they, he thought he's so fucked up that he thought they were working together. So I loved that. And I did not want the Batman's framed and the police come after him. Maybe if they do that later or whatever, but I did not want that. And then like you said, the other big fake out was thinking, you know, well, he figured out he was Bruce Wayne, but it, in the Nolan movies, it's probably obvious that he's Bruce, that Batman is Bruce Wayne because of how much tech he's flaunting. So, which was another thing I, I did like with this one is there wasn't that much of that. Like the Batmobile looks and it sounds cool. It's a muscle, I love it's a muscle car with a big it's fucking a, it's a, jet. <laughs> that's it. That's all the Batmobile. So the Batmobile is very stripped down as opposed to driving around a much more subtle, a tank. Yeah. <laughs> right. He's not driving around a tank, though. I love the tumbler and. Even tech-wise, it's it's somewhat limited. Mm. It's pretty much just, you know, one of my favorite moments in this movie, it's still in the first act, is Batman wants to talk to Penguin. He has a lead mm. after the first murder. And he just walks up to this club. Yep. And he knocks on the door as Batman. Mm. And again, oh gosh, here I am doing it again. I thought immediately to The Dark Knight, when there is a scene where Eric Roberts is in his club and out of nowhere, Batman just starts punching and fighting people. So I'm like, okay, we've seen Batman in a club before, but we never seen him gain entry into that club. And in this one, he just walks up full costume front door, knocks on the door. You know who I am? (laughs) Brilliant. Like I, that's showing visually how, stripped down and how early yeah. in on the job this guy is that it's like he doesn't need to have the sneaky entry and do the whole they only a few times did the someone looks away and looks back and he's gone i think they only did it like twice in this movie. they did it twice not the only time he does it with gordon um it's not like a cute scene it's because he just re- batman runs away because he realizes alfred's about to die or he thinks alfred's about yes. to die and gordon is just looking at him like i'm i'm why did you leave me in this abandoned creepy orphanage <laughs> like uh yeah. so yeah oh that was a great sequence too man yeah this movie um sorry i no, you I mean, go ahead yeah this this is one of those movies where the danger of this episode being like you know what else was a good part oh yeah that was a really good part <laughs> that was a really cool well, part you know that was a really cool part I don't love that this and Joker have set the precedent of turning Thomas Wayne into a morally ambiguous character. Yeah, they they, they kind of took they, it back they, a bit. He was a they flawed did the last man. Jedi. They, they kind of came back to yeah, yes, yes. That's exactly they what pre- they did. Which a villain presented yeah. his version, and it's like, well, obviously he's lying. He's the villain, and then a different character explained. I mean. I still think asking your mobster friend to take care of something is a bad idea. But- and then there was Pete the Killer, who was Sally Balls' brother. Yeah, yeah. He had no idea he would kill yeah. him, Danny. <laughs> but I did like, I, yeah. I did like, I do think it is, I do think it's, in, I mean, in, in the Joker movie, he's just a, he's just an asshole. Um, yeah, but that movie. Yeah. And he's like 60 years old. Yeah, but I mean, again, that movie's really stupid and was <laughs> Todd Phillips. Yeah. We're talking about Todd Phillips versus Matt yeah. Reeves. So it was fun. It was fun to watch Batman beat up fans of that movie at the end of this, at the end of this film. Um, and uh, anyways, so, <laughs> 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 but uh, yes, I do. 
it would have they either should have fully made Thomas Wayne not a good guy or I really don't know how you change. I do agree. It is sort of interesting. I think it's they don't want to make Bruce Wayne a, billionaires are not good people. And that's kind of the, the world we live in now. We, society is sort of so it did society. Yeah. So it did thematically. Yeah, society is starting to feel discomfort with certain levels of, of wealth. So how do you now? What do you do about Batman? He he is a billionaire. He's born into immense privilege. Well, we don't want to make him like Jeff Bezos, but maybe his dad was Jeff Bezos. You know, maybe his dad was an asshole. Yeah. So I do understand why that's becoming more of a trend. I thought this movie handled it in a fairly interesting way. It was very, this movie was very similar to the, um, or maybe this trilogy is going to kind of meant to be very similar to the, the Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo, Batman run, the court of, that started with the court of owls. It starts. I thought they were going to straight up say court yeah, of owls at a few. Yeah. Points so yeah. it starts with, he's two years in or a couple years into his, his career. This sort of the, the various, uh, hallmarks of his mythology are already in place. Um, and we just kind of start with him uncovering, oh, something sinister about this city that I never knew about. And then eventually, later in the run, they went back and did his origin story. His, you know, they called it Zero Year, his yes. first year on the job. Zero Year. Right, so maybe right, that's right. where they're headed yeah. with this. Oh, yeah. I, and that could be interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, I, so many points in this movie, I was thinking, don't do a flashback, don't do a flashback, don't do a flashback. Mm-hmm. And they never did any flashbacks. They let the scenes, they let the dialogue, they let the performances. There was no flashback to Thomas Wayne uh, fixing Carmine. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. There was no goddamn pearls. <laughs> there was none of... They've, I'm so glad, yeah. <laughs> they just... Well, and that was also smart that they didn't do... They didn't do the origin story. They didn't show... Even Batman v Superman had the sequence of the parents getting killed and the goddamn pearls. So, but this one, they can't fully remove themselves for it. Where now it was like integral into the plot. Mm. Uh, but at least they never showed it. No, so uh, I give them credit yeah, for that. That's leaving room to maybe explore in the sequels. Like who killed, who killed the Waynes? Batman Begins implies that the League of Shadows killed the Waynes. Or if they hadn't fucked up Gotham so much, then there wouldn't be. It's a little, it's a little convoluted. Uh, yeah. But yeah. yeah, I just appreciated that this took you were just trusted to kind of go with it. You didn't need to be shown everything. Um, I really, really appreciated that. Yes. Though I, I might, I might like to see a little bit more about how Gordon and Batman got to, I don't know just, but you're right. If it, if it speaks, if it speaks for itself and it is what it is, I'm totally fine with that. But I was so maybe because I just really liked their dynamic that I would have liked to know a little bit more about, it, it like it felt different than even if it was like the Bale, uh, uh, Gary Oldman version. If you kind of just caught up with them in Dark Knight, like if you just met up with them at that point, you'd say, okay, they kind of like have this. What, these two are like connected. He calls a man. They had a. He calls a man, and yeah, there there was a very close. They they were able to work with each other without saying anything out loud. Mm-hmm. Like they have that little subterfuge without even needing to communicate with each other. They were they were the film's best couple potentially, and we haven't even talked about Zoe Kravitz, Ooh. who is spectacular. Also, I mean, seriously, um, this is a role that's been played twice very well. Michelle Pfeiffer was great. Yes, uh, Anne Hathaway was great, and Halle Berry was excellent. Yep. Damn it! I tried to beat you before you said okay. Anne Hathaway. <laughs> yeah. uh, but like Eartha Kitt, and from the from the sixties sixties uh, TV show, it's a very it's an iconic character. But Zoe Kravitz yeah. was was great. I mean, the scenes between her and Batman. I, I do you remember when people in movies maybe wanted to have sex? Like <laughs> we, we, these superhero movies have been so like devoid of any. The Avengers are mm-hmm. are the most attractive humans. <laughs> in the world and it's all feels so like just lifeless in terms of chemistry and and romance and passion these two they're already like they're already in love the first time they fight each other and Mm -hmm. i love that that batman and catwoman the reason they love each other is because they get turned on when they fight each other (laughs) like that to Mm -hmm. me is like yeah that's that's that is the central thing about their relationship is 
they just are really turned on by the fact that they're both weirdos who dress up. And I really, I love their, I love their, their uh, relationship, their, their potential romance. She was, she was really good in this movie. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, really good. Just, uh, I like that they didn't make her a prostitute or do any kind of sort of hackneyed. Let's make Catwoman believable. She's just, she's involved. They were close. They got close. Yeah. They didn't... Year one did that. Year one did that. If you read that. Yeah. yeah. This is more sort of, she realizes how she's going to be looked at if she walks through a sleazy club. I like that line where Bruce is like, these guys have a lot of problem with eye contact. And she's like, yeah, welcome <laughs> to just my daily existence walking around. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Peter yeah. Sarsgaard, just immediately creepy. Oh, yeah. He was very good. I felt, I almost felt bad at how good he was. At yeah. It made me a little, he's a, he's, a, he's yeah. an unsettling presence. He's like a, he's like a young, he's like a mini John Malkovich. He has that kind of energy. Yes. Um, yes. But yeah, yep, she, she was great. And I like that they very firmly established their two outlooks. She is convinced that this city is a cesspool. It just takes and it takes it. It kills the people you love. It's not worth the effort. She says that line, like, you know, doing this is going to kill you in the end. And now we've got potentially three movies for that to build up. One of the most interesting parts of The Dark Knight Rises was that conflict of her sort of wondering, like, why do you do this to yourself? Like, is this city even worth it? Like, you're going to get yourself killed for, for this. And this movie, this felt particularly lost. And, and, and he seems particularly, like, what is the purpose of this quest? And she's just like, I'm leaving. And I, I certainly hope we see her again in future movies. I think she's, yes, I think she's a great character. I love that the penguin will hopefully be returning. Oh my God. He better. He, he might've been my, again, we, we, we've been talking so much about the overall feel of this movie. I think he may have been my actual favorite he performance was, in this. He was having a blast. So good. He blast. Yes, he was it was a nice contrast to the somewhat darker nature of the movie yeah. and uh, boy. Yeah. But he, it, it felt, it didn't feel out of place. He was in this movie. Yes. It was not someone acting like they were in a different yes. movie, but he was, um, he was needed. And boy, did I love when I heard it was Colin Farrell, I thought they were going to do what the Arkham video games have mm-hmm. done, making him like a Cockney English yeah. villain, like Oswald Cobblepot, but he's instead, boy, you know, he's like that, like Bob Hoskins yes. was always rumored to play yes. him. And, like so, I thought they were going to do that, and I said, "Oh, Colin Farrell." So they're gonna they're gonna do that, but he instead played it more like an Italian mobster, but so well, it was great, so he, well. He's, he said he based his performance off of Fredo, and it's like, yeah, if Fredo had lived, oh yeah, it, Fre- <laughs> and this character is Fredo this because is- they even say something like. Yeah, do you know my reputation? Yeah, do you know your reputation? I <laughs> yeah, love that yeah. line. It's like you are not as intimidating as you think you are. I loved the little the little waddle he does after Gordon and Batman leave him. Um, Great. Great performance of the two pretty actors who put on fat suits in movies recently. uh, Colin Farrell definitely uh, did a better job than uh, Jared Leto in house of Gucci, who just let the fat suit do the acting for him. Colin Farrell actually felt like a genuine guy. Um, And yeah, I look forward to them returning. I also look forward to, um, a little character we met at the very end of the movie, not in a post credits. I liked that there was none of that. Yeah, it was in the movie. Yep, ba- yep. Barry Keoghan, Keoghan, Keegan from our favorite movie from last year. Although he was one of my favorite perform Druig performances. Uh, the uh, uh, from the Eternals. Yes. Yeah, the character who I every time I think about him, now- I cry from Dunkirk. That poor kid. Oh God! So that, yeah, the poor boy. He is. He is unnamed Arkham prisoner with a very distinctive laugh. And I'm really interested to see what they're going to do with, with that character. Um, I can't wait to see how they're going to take on the calendar. Seriously. I mean, how do you, how do you top, (laughs) how do you top uh, Sean Gunn's performance in the suicide squad as the calendar man? Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. Um, I do want to come back to something you said. So have you read that there's set? I mean, this is probably the plan that it's a trilogy because my, what I've last read was that Matt Reeves wanted to take it one movie at a time. And they're just talking about a sequel, right? Yeah. Well, I think it's the same as Christopher Nolan. He also said the same thing. One, one movie at a time. Um, But I think he, he wants it to be three movies in the same, in the same universe. Um, I think he wants the sequel to take place in a universe where 
the penguin is the is the chief crime boss um portions of the city are flooded there's a prisoner in arkham who is maybe interested in in bringing batman down a peg i think he just wants it to kind of i don't know if it's going to be gotcha. one continuous story which is what the dark knight trilogy ultimately wanted to be like sort of a three a three act epic i think this might be more like the spider-man trilogy like just continuing adventures yeah. um but i mean yeah i i i I'm really looking forward to, I'm really looking forward to it. I, I, I can't wait to see that character again. Um, because you think you, you can always do stuff, new stuff with that character. Um, it never gets old. Yeah. I mean, it might be terrible, but <laughs> you can always do new stuff. And I think I want to say the comic line was, is no man's land that they sort of set up that uh, it's like a, not post-apocalyptic per se, but something happens where the infrastructure of Gotham completely collapses. There's an earthquake um, totally cut off. That That's it. Yep. And, and dark Knight rises sort of did that after the, 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 um, Heinz field incident that, yes. yeah, they filmed it. Did you know that? Yeah. Did you know how that all happened happened where Pittsburgh built a new stadium? So they were like, Oh, you can fuck up our old stadium. Oh, a bit. I, I, so I that was hard. Yeah, so that was actually pretty neat. And the main player who, you know, was like rubbing yes. against the he was like a very good wide receiver for the Steelers oh. for a long time. I thought that whole Lions thing sports. was just a stain operation to get Ben Roethlisberger, but that's just that's just <laughs> Oh, there were a lot of jokes. You, mu- you might have actually said a first of Batman just trying to take down right? Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> yeah, very good, Danny. Thank you. Yeah. He just retired. He was he was the second most famous quarterback who just retired after the season. Oh. Oh, okay. If I knew an obscure quarterback, I could make a great joke about so and so retired, but I I know I don't That's I don't right. know anything about football. So I'm so proud of <laughs> I'm so proud of how much you just knew yeah. getting there. So that was great. Joe Matuza. I do want to I That's a, that, that, <laughs> yeah, what I got. So, <laughs> Danny was not sure who Aaron Rodgers was when I sent him a picture of Aaron Rodgers wearing a rise of Skywalker. Yeah. That was so funny that he wore that t-shirt of all t-shirts to be like, he also probably liked Joker. Yeah. I would think not to pile on, not to pile on, but you know, there's this movie could have so easily been one of those superhero movies. It's met. We made this for adults and it ultimately is the most juvenile childish thing. And there's nothing more childish than an idiot trying than an idiot teenager trying to be um, so edgy and, and mature and deep. It's like, no, you're, you're a stupid teenager. You, you, you're still figuring yourself out. And that's kind of what, that's what Zack Snyder films feel like. That's what Joker felt like. This felt like they made it for um, an older, an older crowd, but not without losing what makes it a comic book film or a superhero movie. Right. I do want to just quickly say, cause I didn't comment enough about it, but the, the Michael, but before we were getting a little too, Hey, remember that? Yeah. Remember, remember when you were in the Beatles, <laughs> uh, the Michael Giacchino score is for me, the standout, everything about this movie. Like you said, when it was first show or uh, heard in the end of that preview, it's like, was that the, th- was that the new theme? That sounds cool. And they kept releasing it early and teasing it. And it's like now one of those earworms where you hear it and it's like, how has this not always been Batman's theme? And where he's, he's in a world where there's the, not only even, you know, the 66 TV show has the very famous title sequence song, but the 89 Elfman theme is a juggernaut. And while the Nolan movies, maybe it's not like a recognizable theme to many people, the Nolan movies have excellent scores throughout and even the Batman v Superman theme is pretty good. Even the Batman Forever and Batman and Robin theme oh, yeah. is is Elliot. What's his name? Elliot Golden Golden mm-hmm. Hall. Or? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it, that so they have not missed really at all with Batman themes. And this one I think is I I love the Burton one, but this one I think is better. And it's just four notes, but it was used so effectively in this movie. And the scene when you were describing how Penguin realized what this guy is and what these villains, when they realize what he is, the theme just so embodies that dread of what they are probably feeling. 
Uh, the whole score was good, but my goodness, Michael Giacchino knocked it out of the park. Again. Yes, it's a it's a theme not to make Batman sound cool. It's a theme to make Batman sound scary from the point of view of mm. a criminal. Like, this is what you hear when Batman's chasing you. Is this... It just keeps getting louder. <laughs> and it keeps <laughs> yeah. getting... It just keeps... It just keeps keeping. And you, you can't shake it. Um, yeah, I mean, and the whole soundtrack is great. I listened to yeah. I listened to it on the way home today from the theater. Um, the titles of the tracks are, of course, appalling. Oh, like, yeah, if you're a Giacchino he, fan, yeah, go ahead. He loves puns, and these titles are are just horrendous. Um, but <laughs> he's he he's having fun, and that's and that's what matters. Yeah. There's there's just so much to recommend about this about the film. Yes, um, it's a three hour Batman film that's really dark and really serious and kind of flies by and tr- like the three hours it's 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 needed it's worth it because by the end mm-hmm. when it becomes a much bigger scaled film you feel like you've reached the end of like a ten issue miniseries that you've been reading for the last couple months like each. There's there's the the, the bat Batman and Catwoman team up for the first time uh, issue. There's the taking down Falcone issue. There's the like it it feels it it feel it feels like a like a, a big comic book epic, and then you get to the final the final issue, which is this epic scale of you know the city's falling apart and who is going to to save the day? Who who can Gotham count on? And it's it's the Batman and it's just great to kind of feel that in those scenes, the whole city scene. Oh, that's what this guy is. That's, that's what this, this thing that we've been hearing about is really all about. Um, Great stuff. Absolutely. So definitely check out the Batman, see it on a big screen and thank you very much for listening. Some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. I want to sell your death sticks. I don't want to sell your death sticks. You want to go home and rethink your life. I want to go home and rethink my life.